Well, good morning. My name is Clay Baker. I'm the Burlington campus pastor. It's my privilege and pleasure to be uh, preaching to you this morning. Thank you for being here. I was having coffee with one of our members recently, and uh, I'll just call him Dan. That's not his real name, but I'll just call him Dan. And Dan shared with me the story of when he first received uh, Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I asked him if I could share that, and he said, of course. And so, so here goes. Uh, who here is familiar with Star's Cave? Yeah, Star, we're, we're big Star's Cave fans in the Baker household. We like to go there. Now, unfortunately, these days, you can't actually go into Star's Cave. You're aware of this, right? If you were to go there, it's the, the cave itself is gated. They're trying to protect an endangered species of bat. My son George calls it the scary bat cave. But uh, Dan, when Dan was a young man in his 20s, uh, he and his brother, his adult brother, went to Star's Cave. And at that time, you could go in. Now, Dan grew up uh, kind of in the church, and he knew about God, but he didn't really know God. Like, he didn't really know what Jesus had done for him. But his brother did. His brother did, and his brother had been trying to share those truths with Dan for a while, and Dan kind of kept him at arm's length. But one day they go to Star's cave and they go into the cave and they've, you know, Dan's brother has his flashlight and I'm told that as you go in, and maybe some of you have experienced this, it gets narrower and narrower and the ceiling gets lower and lower until you get to a point where you have to get on your belly and like army crawl through, it's that tight. And then when you're all the way in, you come to this inner chamber that opens up a little bit. And there's a small like room and you can, I think, even stand up in there. So that's what he and his brother did. And when they got into that inner chamber, his brother turned off the flashlight. And so this is like the darkest of dark. And his brother shared the gospel with Dan. Now he shared the bad news. Dan, you're a, you're a sinner. And I think Dan knew this already. Dan, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the standard of a holy God. That's the bad news. But then he shared the good news, which we call the gospel. And that's Dan. It's, it's, it's okay that you don't measure up, Dan, because there was one man who did. In fact, God loves you so much that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, God himself, to this earth as a man. And Jesus lived on this earth, and he actually took all the sins of the world on himself, including your sins, Dan. And he died for your sins. And he died for the sins of the world on the cross. He died the death you deserve in your place. And if you would just but believe in him and trust him to save you. Not in yourself, but in Jesus. Then wouldn't you know, Dan, God saves you. God forgives you. God cleanses you. God promises you eternal life. And at that moment, in the inner chamber of Star's Cave, before God and his brother and presumably hundreds of bats, <laughs> Dan accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And they crawled back out of the cave, 
and they stepped out of it and they stepped into the light. So they literally went from darkness, utter darkness to light and that is a beautiful picture of what happened in Dan's soul the moment he accepted Christ as his savior. He went from the kingdom of darkness and stepped into the kingdom of light. Praise God. Darkness and light are major themes of our passage today. Just a few short verses, but darkness and light are front and center. We're going to be in 1 John today. We're continuing in our 1 John series. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So if you have your Bible with you, turn there now or tap there now if it's on your device. If you don't, just grab one of the auditorium Bibles in front of you, and it's on page 803. If you were here last week, you heard Chris introduce this sermon series, introduce the letter of 1 John. And you might recall that in John's day, this is about the 90s, like not the 1990s, but just the 90s. So about the 90s in what is today Turkey, John was living and preaching, and there were these different house churches that he was affiliated with, and he was probably over as their pastor. And there were some uh, people who were part of those churches who ended up uh, leaving those churches. And the reason why is because they had become enlightened, so to speak. They thought they had found the light, the truth. But, you know, it just turns out that their truth wasn't the same truth that John had taught his followers, that the apostles had taught his followers. In other words, it was a false gospel. These were false teachers. So they went out from these house churches, but they didn't just leave the country. No, they stayed around and they continued to teach their false teachings. And so the people of John's churches were confused. They were confused about whether uh, they knew the truth. So what was the truth? And they were confused as to whether they really had the truth. Like, did they, did they have it? Were they, were they really of God, like John was telling them and the apostles? Or were these new guys on the scene telling the truth? And so John writes this letter to not only combat the false teachings that were going around, but also to give the people of his church assurance that no, they really did have the truth. The truth that John shared with them, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ was true and is true. And if they have it and if they receive it, then they are in God. They are of God. Not these false teachers proclaiming false truths. So John's writing to um, combat the false teachings and assure them of their salvation. And that's why we're calling this sermon series Assured. And one of the ways he gives this assurance is by giving his readers, or his, these churches, various tests. <clears throat> so like objective standards by which they can do some heart examination and they can have some assurance, they can know that they really are saved. And so in our passage today is one of these tests, and it has to do with light, and it has to do with darkness. So let's start with verse 5. We'll read verse 5 together. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him. Okay, this is John talking, and the him is Jesus. So the first paragraph of his letter, he's saying, I'm an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. I lived with him. I walked among him. I learned under him. I saw him. That's paragraph one. 
And now he's saying this is the message that we've heard from Jesus and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That is the big idea of this passage. That really is like the main point. That's the message he heard from Jesus that he proclaims now to his people. God is light. God is light. Now that is an interesting and fascinating truth, and it reveals the nature and character of God. He's light. He's not dark. But we are kind of left to wonder, like, what does that mean for me? Like, how does that affect me and my life? Well, John is going to go on to explain how the fact that God is light, it has implications for your life if you really are of God. And he's going to give two specific ways this impacts the life of those who are of God. First, God is light means that if you are of God, or we might say today, if you are a Christian, you will walk in the light. Because God is light, those who are in him walk in the light. That's the first thing. The second thing we're going to look at, God is light means that Christians, those who are of God, bring their sins into the light. Because God is light, his people, his children, bring their sins into the light. So those are the two things. Christians walk in the light. Christians bring their sins into the light. So let's look at the first one together. God is light means that Christians walk in the light. We're going to read verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, that's God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say, now, what he's actually doing here is repeating the claims of some of these false teachers. If we say, or as they say, these false teachers, that they have fellowship with God, that they have this relationship with him. If we say we have fellowship with God, with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So this is a simple opposite thing here, right? If God is light, then his followers walk or do not walk in darkness. So my, my two oldest boys, William and George, they're learning opposites right now. And they're catching on okay, especially George. Because George loves to say the opposite of whatever he thinks you want him to say. And so I'll say, I'll come home, and I know, George, his mother is great, and she, she does all sorts of fun things with him, so I know that he's always had a great day. And I'll come home, and I'll say, George, how was your day? Terrible. <laughs> with a big grin on his face, you know. And it goes on and on like that, you know. George, how are you in Sunday school today? Bad. 
know, some days that might be true, but. So they get opposites, we get opposites. What John's talking about here is a person's way of life. Really their moral choices, how they live. Do they live in a way that is consistent with God's character of being light? Or do they live in a way that is the opposite of that in darkness? And he's saying that if you're really a follower of God, if you're really a Christian, you do not walk in darkness. I mean, we might say today it's, it's um, actions. Actions speak louder than words, right? Actions speak louder than words. So I, I, uh, I say that I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan. You have heard this before, correct? I am an Iowa Hawkeye fan. You don't know that I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan just because I say it. For example, if I, so two weeks from now, I was playing Wisconsin. I was playing Wisconsin Badgers, big game. If I were to start going around the next couple weeks wearing Wisconsin Badger gear, and in two weeks I'm gonna sit in front of the TV and I'm gonna root for the Wisconsin Badgers, am I a Hawkeye fan? No, no, you would have serious doubts about my Hawkeye fandom. And in fact, you just say, well, no, he's a Wisconsin Badger fan because actions speak louder than words. And so brothers and sisters, when you hear a sermon preached, like right now, from God's word, or when you read God's word for yourself, you're being exposed to the light of God. Like the very light of God's truth shines on you when you encounter him in his word. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Sometimes that seems harsh. Like if you're in a dark room and the lights just come on all of a sudden. You don't like it. And if it is your way, if it is your practice, if it is your habit, that when you are confronted with the light of God's truth, even though you may say, you're a Christian, but if when you're confronted with the light of God's truth, if you reject it, if you deny it, if you want to forget about it, if you don't submit your life to it, if you don't live in a way that's consistent with it, you're walking in darkness. And what John's telling us right now is that God's people don't walk in darkness. They don't stay there. They're not in darkness, they're in the light with God. Well, that's the very next thing he'll say. Let's look at verse seven. So how do his people walk? But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now I want to be clear here that this is not saying that a person is saved by or becomes a Christian by walking in the light. 
You see, we know from elsewhere in Scripture that salvation, being saved, giving, getting the gift of eternal life, receiving forgiveness from God, is a gift. It's a gift of God by His grace because He loves us. And it's received by us through faith and through faith alone. And that's faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. By grace, through faith, we receive this gift of salvation. It is not because of something we've done. It's not because we walk in the light. It's because there was one who actually did walk in the light in a way we never can and never will. Jesus Christ. He came as God and as man and he walked in the light and he took our sins on himself and he died for them. And by receiving that gift of grace, by placing your faith in Jesus, that's how you're saved. That's how you become a Christian. Not by walking in the light. But what John is saying is that walking in the light is one of these tests or one of these ways, one of these marks of a Christian, some, a way that you can know, that you can know, that you can be assured that you are in God, that you are his child, that you have been saved by him, that, that the blood of his son Jesus has cleansed you from all sin. So it's not walk in the light and then God's, or then Jesus' blood will cleanse you. It's you can know that Jesus' blood has cleansed you by walking in the light. And if you are in the light, if you are a Christian, then you do have fellowship with every other, what we call, what the Bible calls brother and sister in the Lord. We're all forgiven sinners, all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus. And we have all been cleansed by his blood. And we have all received God the Holy Spirit in us, who lives in us, who dwells in us. And so we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with God by the blood, on the basis of the blood of Jesus who makes it all possible. And you can be sure that you are such a forgiven sinner, a child of God, one who is cleansed by the blood if you walk in the light. If when you are exposed to the light of God's word, you don't reject it, you don't turn from it, you don't keep it at arm's length, you don't hide from it, you don't try to forget it, but you receive it. You submit to it as true. You say, yes, God, this is, this is true, this is your word. I wanna walk in this way. That's walking in the light. Actions speak louder than words. You know I'm a Hawkeye fan, what, not just because I say it, right? But because on game day, every game day, I start my morning with a cup of coffee from one of my two Iowa Hawkeye mugs. 
and preferably if it's if it's clean the regular one and not the one that's all about the Rose Bowl game from 2015 because we lost that game badly I don't like to think about that one and I wear the Hawkeye gear and I and and I try to watch the game live but if I can't I record it and and I fire it up whenever I can and I try not to know the score if I'm watching it late and I cheer on the Hawkeyes that's how you know I'm a Hawkeye fan actions speak louder than words and you can know that you are in God if you receive his word, his truth in faith, if you accept it as true, and if you are walking in the light with him. People of God walk in the light because God is light. Now, do we do this perfectly? Well, that's what we're going to talk about next. We know that people of God, Christians, walk in the light because God is light. We are also called, as Christians, as people of God who is light, we are called to bring our sin into the light. God is light means that Christians bring their sin into the light. We're going to read verses 8 and 10. Now, do not read verse 9 yet. We're going to get to verse 9 later, okay? So starting in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Jump down to verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. In other words, Christians, people of God, don't act like they don't sin. Christians do not pretend like they don't sin because if they do they're just lying to themselves because they know better and they're just making God out to be a liar because God's word declares that we're all sinners and we all have this sinful nature and even those of us who are in Christ even though that sinful nature was crucified with Christ on the cross and no longer has any power over us nevertheless while we are in these bodies while we await the return of our Savior we're living in these sinful bodies still and if we so choose, we can give, give ourselves over to that sinful nature and sin. You see, when you are confronted with the light of God's word, with his truth, you will see all the different ways you don't measure up. The Bible has a lot of commands. Jesus summarized them in two, two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So love God with everything you are, everything you have, and love others just as much as you love yourself. Who's really firing on all cylinders there? 
Yeah, no. You know better. God knows better. God is light, and so Christians bring their sin into the light because they know that God knows better anyway. They don't lie to God. When I was in third grade, I was in Mrs. Maley's class at Mediapolis. She was a sweet lady. And we had a sweet librarian. Her name was Mrs. McCabe. And we were studying some medieval stuff at some time. And Mrs. McCabe came in from the library and gave Mrs. Maley's class all these books that we could read uh, while we studied the medieval times. And one of these books was super cool. It was about castles. And it like was one of those cutaway books where you can, like I could see the inside of all the, of the castles. You know, I just thought that was so cool. So that went on for some time. We, we could take these books off the table and we could read them. You know, we could, we could keep them with us. But we were always supposed to, at the end of the day, put the, put the books back at the table. Well, after that unit was over, Mrs. McCabe came back into the class to collect the books. And she had a very stern announcement for us. Apparently, all those books weren't back at the table. And that was a big deal. And we needed to get those books back at the table or else we were in trouble. Well, wouldn't you know, one of those books was in my desk. The castle book. There it was, burning like fire in my desk. <laughs> now, if I had been in my right mind, I would have known that all I had to do was say, that's me. And here's the castle book, and it would have been done. But I wasn't in my right mind, was I? So what did I do? I slipped that book out of my desk. I stealthily put it in my Michael Jordan bag. <laughs> Zipped that up. Carried it home. Walked home. Didn't go inside. Walked straight to the backyard. We had this little playground thing in the backyard. And so I'm just like at the Michael Jordan bag, and I'm just cool as could be, just hanging out around the playground, nothing to see here, and looking up, coast is clear, yep, all right, well, I'm just going to get that book out of here and walk back to the garden shed, and I'm just going to slip it right underneath the garden shed. It's gone. Got rid of the evidence. See, I didn't care about the book, I just didn't want to get caught, I just didn't want to be in trouble. So I'm just going to bury that thing under the garden shed, grab my bag, head back through the back door, and who was at the back window... But my mother, having a cup of coffee with a friend, and she was, she was crafty. She didn't confront me right then and there. She just, you know, what are you, what are you doing back there, Clay? Nothing, nothing. Just hanging out, just playing in the backyard, you know, like I always do. And, uh, oh, okay, that's fine. Later that night at dinner, she sprung her trap. So we sit down at dinner. She says, Clay, I saw you hanging around back by the shed. What were you doing? <coughs> nothing, nothing. What, shed? I, what, what, we have a shed back there? I, well, I, uh, just, just hanging out? No, I'm probably just checking something out. I don't remember. I don't know. Okay, Clay, would you, you need to come with me. My dad and my sister look at each other like, what is going on? I get up. I march down death row back to my, <laughs> back to my mom and dad's bedroom. And she holds up the book, the castle book. And she wants to know what's going on. Well, then, you know, I'm just a mess. I'm crying. And, you know, this is what happened, Mom. And, and you know, she, 
She was serious. She said, Clay, you're in trouble. You know what? She said, she, she said you're not in trouble because you took the book. You're in trouble because you lied to me. Oh. I don't know what was worse, the fact that I lied to my mother or the fact that learning of like I didn't need to be in trouble at all if I just told the truth. <laughs> like, I could have spared myself all this. But it was... Hurt. It was uh, hard. Lied to my mom. Of course, I had to take the book back and so on and so forth. And I don't even remember what the punishment was. But, uh, you know, I lied to her, and of course, she knew. Moms know. Well, when we try to pretend like we don't sin, and we know what those sins are, and if you don't, you can just ask God to reveal them to you, and He will. He'll tell you. And when we act like we don't, when we just want to brush that under the rug, nothing to see here, slip that under the garden shed, we're just like little children. We're just lying to God. And he doesn't want his children to lie to him. And really, in fact, what John is saying is that God's children don't lie to him. I mean, yeah, we might have a moment. But what John is saying is, is, that, is if it's your practice, it's your way of life, this is what you do, you act like you don't sin, you don't think you need God's forgiveness, well, you're really no child of God at all. So what do... Christians do when they become aware of their sin. Now let's read verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a memory verse, folks. This is like refrigerator material here. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess just means to agree, to agree with. So when God makes it plain to you that you've sinned, you've fallen short in some way, you're not measuring up, He doesn't want you to run from it, to hide from it, to deny it. He just wants you to agree with him. He just wants you to say, yeah. Yeah, God. I am falling short there. I'm not living up to who you've called me to be. You've called me to be holy, God, like you are holy, and I am not. And specifically, I'm not in this way. He just wants you to agree with him. And then there's some sweet words that come next. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful because he promises to forgive those who confess their sins to him and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. 
He promises that he'll do it, and he does. He offers forgiveness. And he's just to forgive and to cleanse. He's right in doing it because the penalty's already been paid. Nobody was let off the hook. Because Jesus Christ paid in full the penalty for our sins. So God is just, he's right to forgive and to cleanse those who confess to him on the basis of the shed blood of his son Jesus. Now the confessing that John is talking about here is an ongoing, really, way of life. Christians are called to confess their sins, to bring their sins into the light of God when they become aware of them. Now, this is something that every believer does for a first time, like Dan in Star's Cave. And at that moment, when someone does that for the first time, then they are forgiven and they are cleansed forever. What John's not saying here is that as you sin, as you go on from there and sin, like there are new sins that need to be forgiven. And so those stack up in the bad column until you confess them and then, oh, then they go to the forgiven column. Well, no. Because of one sacrifice at one particular point in time, all the sins of a believer, your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins are forgiven. And you are cleansed. The very first time you humble yourself before God, you confess your sins to him, you turn from them, and you turn to him in faith. But John is saying that, his, that God's children don't stop there. It's not a one and done kind of thing. God's children, those who are really of God, continue to confess their sins to him as they live their life. Not because they need forgiveness, those sins are already forgiven. But because God wants you to agree with him that there are ways that you don't measure up. He wants you to be humble. He wants you to acknowledge that to him. And he wants to help. I mentioned that he gives us his Holy Spirit. God himself lives in the heart of every believer. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us and to guide us in the way of God as we walk in light. And the amazing thing that God does is that as we walk with him in the light, as we live a life of bringing our sins into the light, asking for his help in walking with him and submitting ourselves to his word, as we do that, the Holy Spirit makes us more and more 
like God, like Jesus. And hopefully, as we do, as we become more and more like Jesus, we actually become more and more aware of our sins. We become more and more aware of the ways we don't measure up. But we just more and more confess them to God and run to his throne of mercy. And then as we go on in life and as we walk in the light, as we confess our sins to him and walk with him, then the light doesn't become so harsh anymore. Then the light becomes warmer and more inviting because we know, we trust, we've experienced God's grace and God's mercy. And so when we are exposed once again to some way that we don't measure up, we don't recoil from it, we don't find it harsh, but we thank God for making it known to us because we know we're already forgiven by his blood. And we know he's there to help us walk with him in a way that is in accord with his nature. He is light. So God's children, God's people, Christians, they walk in the light and they bring their sins into the light. And you can know that you are saved, that you have eternal life, that you are of God, and John wants you to know, and God wants you to know that all those things are true of you because you're walking with him and you're confessing your sins to him. And you're not relying on some prayer you prayed years and years ago, but this is your way of life. And if that's true of you, then you can know. You can know that you're saved. We're going to apply today's sermon right now. You know, sometimes we leave you with application points for you to do or, you know, put into practice as you go from here. Well, of course, there's things that you can put into practice as you go from here. But we want to start right now. So I invite the band. Hopefully the band can hear me. We've never confessed to him that we're sinful and we've never received from him the gift of salvation that was purchased by the blood of his son, Jesus. We've never placed our faith in Jesus. And so the band's gonna play and we're just gonna sit and reflect. And if that's you, if you've never had your star's cave moment, if you've never for the first time confessed to God and received forgiveness from him, then take this opportunity to do it right now. Don't delay. Why would you wait? Why would you stay in the cave of darkness when you could step out into the light and be in the light? A lot of us here have had that moment in our life. A lot of us here, 
do remember a time, maybe it wasn't in Star's Cave, there's probably just a small number of people that have trusted Christ in Star's Cave, but there was some time, some moment, somewhere, where you understood your sinfulness and your need for a savior. And you threw yourself at the mercy of God, at his cross, and you received salvation. For those of us who have placed their faith in Jesus, use this time now to continue to confess your sins to him and to experience his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. He invites you to do that. And be assured of your salvation, not because of some prayer you prayed years and years ago, but because right now you're confessing your sins to God and you're thanking him thanking him for his forgiveness, for his love, for the shed blood of his son, Jesus. And you're experiencing it and you're receiving it and you're so in awe of him for loving you so much. So please bow your heads, close your eyes, take a few moments to talk with God, confess your sins to him, and either receive Jesus as your Savior for the first time or thank Him that He has, in fact, saved you by grace through faith.